Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 on the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. It's the winter solstice. So we're dealing with some history of the winter solstice, what it actually is, and how it ties into uh, ancient history as well, and ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt also. So many people are familiar with Asar, Oset and Heru, or who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, and Horus. And this ties into that as well, because we know Heru, the son, was born of a virgin birth on December 25th to the virgin Oset, who the Greeks called Isis. And even when you look at the Notre Dame Cathedral, well, if you back up and you look at the uh, worship of the Black Madonna and Child in Europe, okay, uh, that comes from Osar, Oset, and Heru, who the Greeks called Osiris, Isis, and Horus. Uh, when, when you study uh, Europeans, they were they were worshiping African people. Okay, literally, they were they were literally worshiping African people. Um, and, and unfortunately, eight hundred year occupation of Europe by the Africans, known as the Moors, is going to flip all that stuff around. So you get you go from the original story of of Osset and Heru to the Black Madonna child and then the decolorized version, okay? The decolorized version of the story. And when you look at the constellation of Virgo, Virgo in Latin means virgin. Originally, the constellation of Virgo was of Osset in ancient times, the virgin, Osset. But if you look at the word Virgo, Virgo is Latin for virgin. So if you go back to the um, article um, from cnn.com very quickly and then we're going to go to some other information some slides that i have as well the winter solstice uh is the shortest day of the year and the official first day of winter um the science and timing behind the winter solstice. the winter solstice marks the shortest day of the year in the northern hemisphere when the sun appears at its most southerly post position the sun appears at its most southerly position directly overhead at the tropic of capricorn okay the constellation of capricorn the situation is the reverse in the southern hemisphere there the december solstice marks the longest day of the year and the beginning of summer in places such as australia chile and uh south africa all right now and this image here shows um, some images of the Earth. These three images um, from uh, a satellite show us what Earth looks like from space near the winter solstice. The images were captured about 24 hours before the 2018 winter solstice. Okay, now, the, solst the winter solstice usually but not always takes place on December 21st. Uh, time that the solstice occurs shift every year because the solar year and the solar year is the time it takes for the sun to reappear in the same spot as seen from the earth. The solar year does not exactly match up to our calendar year. Okay, the solar year does not exactly match up to our calendar year. The calendar that we use is the Gregorian calendar introduced by Pope Gregory the 13th in 1582 AD 
And the Gregorian calendar is based upon how long it takes the earth to travel counterclockwise, um, basically around the sun and we know the, you know, basically around the sun. So it takes the, it takes uh, 365 days, five hours, 48 minutes and, um, uh, 365 days, five hours, 48 minutes and about 46 seconds or so. All right. So that's, um, that's the, the calendar that we use today. It, it, it's, uh, you have that one quarter day and each year you add every four years, you add, uh, an additional day to the month of February, which is known as a leap year. All right. Now, Okay, so they give the super precise coordinates as well. Now, uh, this okay. What what places see and feel the effects of the winter solstice the most? Daylight decreases dramatically the closer you are to the North Pole on December twenty first, and we know that on December twenty fifth, the days of the year start getting longer, and each subsequent day, uh. Each subsequent day, the days start getting longer, starting on December 25th. So the the December 25th in ancient times was known as the birth date of the sun. Okay. What causes the winter solstice to happen? Because our planet is tilted on its rotational axis, we experience seasons here on Earth as the planet moves around the sun. Okay, each planet Earth moves around the sun. Each hemisphere experiences winter when it is tilted away from the sun and summer when it's tilted toward the sun. Winter when it's tilted away from the sun. Okay, summer when it's tilted toward the sun. Okay, so they ask the question here, why is the Earth tilted on its axis? Why is the earth tilted? Scientists are not entirely sure how this occurred, but they think that billions of years ago, as the solar system was taking shape, the earth was subject to violent collisions that caused the axis to tilt. All right, so you can read the rest of this here. Um, But one of the things they talk about are some of the winter solstice traditions and celebrations. They talk about the Roman festival of Saturnalia. And I'm going to reference some of the slides in my presentation in just a second here. The ancient Roman festival of Saturnalia. Um, In ancient Rome, Saturnalia began on December 17th and was and lasted for seven days. It honored Saturn, the Roman god of agriculture or Roman deity of agriculture. The people enjoyed carnival-like festival uh, fest- uh, festivities resembling modern Mardi Gras celebrations. Let me scroll back up here. Resembling modern Mar- Mardi Gras celebrations just a second here. Where did, where did I lose something? Okay. Let's just go back to this. All right. And 
And let me just back up for a second here. So it talks about it's no surprise many cultures and religions celebrate a holiday, whether it be Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa or pagan festivals that coincides with the return of longer days. Uh, ancient peoples who survive, whose survival depended on a precise knowledge of seasonal cycles mark the first day of winter with elaborate ceremonies and celebrations with elaborate ceremonies and celebrations. Spiritually, these celebrations symbolize the opportunity for renewal, a shedding of bad habits and negative feelings and an embrace and, and an embracing of hope amid darkness as the days once again begin to grow longer. Many of the ancient symbols and ceremonies of the winter solstice live on today or have been incorporated into newer traditions. And in, in my research studying the history of Christmas, you get you you see this, okay? Everything from the Christmas tree to um um uh, different uh red and green colors. Uh you get to see different things that were incorporated from other people into the celebration of Christmas. Now, the festival of Saturnalia began on December 17th and lasted for seven days. Uh, Saturnalia continued into the third and fourth centuries common era or AD. The people enjoyed carnival-like festivities resembling Mardi Gras uh, celebrations and even delayed their war making. Now, as the Roman Empire came under Christian influence and eventual rule, some of the fest some of the festivals customs were melded into celebrations surrounding Christmas and the New Year. Okay, so they go through and talk about some of the uh, different celebrations here. You can check this out as well. They talk about Stonehenge also. So it's a good basic article here from uh, CNN. Name of this uh, piece is uh, Winter Solstice 2021 where modern science and pagan traditions meet okay so you can check this out now if we uh i want to go here to uh my presentation here quickly so if we look at what determines when christmas is celebrated what determines when christmas is celebrated we look at the winter solstice now this definition of the winter solstice uh, comes from uh, McGraw-Hill Dictionary of Aviation. So you can check out some different explanations of it. But the instance at which the sun reaches the point of maximum southerly declination on or about December 21st. And the word solstice, when you understand the etymology of that word or the origins of that word, the word solstice comes from, is Latin, the prefix sol, S-O-L, literally means sun okay the prefix prefix soul s-o-l means sun and the uh suffix stit s-t-i-t uh literally means uh stand still so solstice basically means sun stands still now the sun moves into its lowest point on on or about december 21st from December 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 
it appears the sun does not move. So in ancient times, they said the sun was dead for three days. On December 25th, the sun moves one degree northward. And it was known as the birth date of the sun or the rebirth of the sun because the December 25th marks uh, an increase in the amount of sunlight. Each subsequent day, there's an increase in the amount of sunlight. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. And uh, we'll talk about more why Christmas is celebrated on December 25th. And uh, we'll do this story here from the um, American Bible Society and the life of Christ. They have some very interesting information in their edition from 2011 on why Christmas is celebrated on December 25th. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Tuesday, uh, December 21st, 2021. And we are live. We're talking some about the uh, winter solstice and the history of the winter solstice and uh, how all this ties into ancient history and ancient Kemet as well, ancient Egypt and the origins of Christmas, all of this. It's all connected. Uh, there was an article from, let me see here. So what I have up on the screen here, I was talking during the break, this deals with um, center class and Joata Piet, Black Pete. Okay. Uh, and the, the celebration, the, the parade that takes place in the Netherlands, uh, dealing with, uh, Black Pete, uh, takes place on December 5th. Okay. December 5th. And in the, uh, story, Black Pete was a Moor who becomes a slave of center class. Okay, becomes a slave of center class and uh, center class in Dutch means St. Nicholas. Okay, so let me see where we here. Let me flip back over to this. Um, you have these, if you look at this article from the Washington Post, and this is, I, I deal with this, um, in my lecture, but also in the online classes that I teach, uh, understand the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. They show you how all this history is connected. Okay. Uh, this is an article from, uh, Washington Post center class and Joie de Piet. Joie de Piet means black Pete in, in Dutch. Why a holiday has me talking to my kids about blackface. All right. And every year there's articles about this right around December 5th or so. And the, 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 here's a center class uh, who's a religious character. You also see him referred to as Father Christmas. You see him on this boat with some people dressed up as Joie de Piette, but they're wearing blackface. They have red uh, lipstick on their lips to enlarge their lips. They're dressed like Moore's dressed in about the 18th century. And they wear Afro wigs and oftentimes gold hoop earrings. Okay, surprise, surprise, surprise. This all deals with the history of the Moors. The tradition is uh, is this on the second day, uh, on the second Saturday of November, Joie de Piet, Black Pete, arrives in the Netherlands, Netherlands on a steamboat from Spain. Why Spain? Because the, the Moors going to the Iberian Peninsula in 711 A.D., led by uh, Tariq Ibn Ziyad, and uh, at the time in 711 AD, it wasn't called Spain and Portugal, it was the Iberian Peninsula. Today, that's Spain and Portugal. So they 
he comes in on the steamboat from Spain along with center class, center class, a towering, thin and plushly dressed figure wearing red and white. And center class was a religious figure uh, amongst the Dutch. Hundreds of people gathered to watch the steamboat uh, arrive with Piet's dancing, black, uh, 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 black Pete's, Joachim Piet's dancing and waving while brass band music plays until center class disembarks on a white horse with the Piet's walking at his side to greet and offer treats to children. The ritual repeats in various cities across the Netherlands until December 5th, the name of uh, the name day of St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas, the saint, the third, fourth century saint. Joachim Piet, according to folklore, an assistant to center class and of Moorish descent, traditionally since Piet's first appearance in a children's book in 1850, Joachim Piet or Black Pete is portrayed as a very dark skinned character with large red lips, curly hair and giant hoop earrings, usually gold hoop earrings. When Piets appear in person, they are portrayed by volunteers in blackface. It's usually white people in blackface. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Okay, read the rest of this here. Because all this history is connected and this is in the deep history. All this history is connected and it's a deep history. All right, now, um, let's go back quickly here. Okay, so we have Juan Piet. And let me pull up, uh, I'm going to go to... This here dealing with um, what determines when Christmas is, what determines when Christmas is celebrated. So back in 2011, I was at a CVS pharmacy uh, in Detroit, one on Jefferson, and I saw this book here from um, the American Bible Society, The Life of Christ. Okay, put out by Time Home Entertainment and the American Bible Society. Look, the life of Christ, rediscovering how his life, death, and resurrection changed the world. Okay, so I said, all right, so what are they trying to say now? Because I've studied this history, right? So I turned to page 55, and what I saw on page 55 blew my mind, and, and, and that's why I bought this book. I paid $12 for this book. Page 55 says, why December 25th? And do I have this in the... Uh, I should have it in a, okay, we don't have it blown up in this one. Maybe it's another presentation. But here's what it said. Um, it said, we really don't know the birth date of uh, Jesus the Christ, okay? But most likely it was not on December 25th. And let me grab the actual book because I have it right here behind me. All right, so page 55. Now, this is the 2011 edition, because in the edition that came out the year afterwards, they didn't have this information in there. All right. And those watching on Facebook and uh, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching because we're about to lose 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. We're only on for an hour. Uh, but page 55 says, why uh, December 25th? OK. So it says in Christianity's early years, people debated whether Jesus' birthday should be celebrated, some Christians were against observing it at all as they did not want Jesus compared to Pharaoh and Herod, whose birthdays were commemorated. But in the fourth century AD common era, Pope Julius I made it official. 
Christ's birth would be celebrated on December 25th. Now, why December 25th? December 25th was already considered the birthday of the sun, S-U-N. Using the technology available at the time, astronomers observed that on December 25th, the days started getting longer again. They recognized the date as the winter solstice when the sun is born again each year. All right. Now, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're out of time here on 910 AM Superstation. WFDL, we'll talk about this a little bit more tomorrow. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, you can uh, purchase the lecture. I've done a three-hour lecture in digital download format or DVD on the origins of Christmas. And I'll have information there. I'll be at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History for Kwanzaa, the fourth day of Kwanzaa on December 29th and uh, Friday, December 30th and January 1st. I'll be a vendor there in the African marketplace. Right now, it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by, stand by. Let me disconnect this call. We're going to keep going here. All right, how's everybody doing? Share this broadcasting on social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in. We're on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation um, for the first hour of the show, Monday through Friday. Okay, we're going to keep going for a few more minutes. These other topics, uh, we're going to get to tomorrow because we'll, uh, I'll see how much I can squeeze in. We'll see. Let's keep going here. All right. Also, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. We're six days a week. So let's keep doing the research and stay on the air, keep broadcasting. Okay, so I want to go back to this here from um, uh, the, the book from the uh, American Bible Society, and uh, this deals with the life of Christ. Now, the word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which comes from the comedic charest. Charest means the rising of the spirit, commenting spirit, rest meaning to rise in, in the Medunetta language. So all this is connected. What you're dealing with, or you're dealing with ancient stories told over and over again, adapted to various people's cultures over thousands of years. Okay, and the names change and things like this, but you dealing with the story. If you read Christianity Before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson, he breaks this down in his book, Christianity Before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson. Also, you can read by Robin Walker, uh, the brilliant historian Robin Walker out of the UK, Blacks and Religion, Volume 1. He deals with this some there. He, he talks about the, the vernal equinox in Easter. Um, and then you can read also the world 16 crucified saviors by Kersey Graves. He deals with that in there. That came out in about 1875, something like that. All right. Also, um, a lot of people don't know this and we deal with this in, um, one of my online classes, but you know, in theology, in the seminary, um, those in the seminary take a class on um, comparative religion. So some of this information that I'm telling you, they learn in these classes on comparative religion. Now, just how much they decide to teach to the masses, well, that determines, that, that, that depends upon them. Um, Dr. King when he was in the seminary, wrote, wrote a paper in 1949 
dealing with the influence of the mystery religions on Christianity. Now, this is at the King Institute at Stanford University. This is on their website. A lot of people don't know this. The influence of the mystery religions on Christianity. And he goes through and talks about Osiris. I don't have time to go through the whole paper. You can go read this yourself. But it, it, there's a section here. He talks about the influence of the, okay, that's dealing with Attis. Uh, he talks about Isis. He talks about Adonis um, uh, as well. Okay. The influence of Osiris and Isis. Now, this is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., not Martin Luther that, that led the Reformation in 1517. No, this is Dr. King that they destroy his legacy every Dr. King day. This is Dr. King wrote about this. The influence of Osiris and Isis. So you're like, what did Dr. King know about that? The Egyptian mysteries of Isis and Osiris exerted considerable influence upon early Christianity. This is, this is the Dr. King that they don't want you to know about. The two great Egyptian deities whose worship passed into Europe were revered not only in Rome, but in many other centers where Christian communities were growing up. Osiris and Isis, so the legend runs, were at, at, were at one and the same time brother and sister, husband and wife. But Osiris was murdered, his coffin, his coffin body being thrown into the Nile River. And shortly afterwards, the widowed and exiled Isis gave birth to a son, Horus. This is Dr. King breaking this stuff down. The, the, the first Holy Trinity, okay, the Immaculate Conception. Meanwhile, the coffin was washed up on the Syrian coast and became miraculous, miraculously lodged into the trunk of a tree. The tree afterwards chanced to be cut down and made into a pillar in, in the palace at Byblos. And, and there Isis at length found it. After recovering Osiris' dismembered body, Isis restored him to life and installed him as king in the netherworld. Meanwhile, Horus having grown to manhood, reigned on earth, later becoming the third person of this great Egyptian trinity, of this great Egyptian trinity. Now, this is Dr. King breaking this down, okay? Read, read this paper here from 1949, okay? <laughs> that, that, that Martin Luther King Jr. wrote when he was at Crozier Theological Seminary. The, the name of the paper, The Influence of the Mystery Religions on Christianity. Now, I first found out about this from one of my teachers, Dr. Ray Hagins, years ago, and I went and read the paper. Okay, I went, I went and read the paper. <laughs> this is why they don't ask me to speak at a lot of Dr. King Day celebrations, because I, I braced up. <laughs> I did with Dr. King to try to get a concealed pistol license in Montgomery, Montgomery Alabama, 1956, because Dr. King owned guns until Bayard Rustin convinced him to get rid of his gun. Dr. King owned guns. Okay. Because if you read the book, this nonviolent stuff that gets you killed, how guns made the civil rights movement possible by uh, Professor Charles E. Cobb Jr., you get a whole different understanding of the civil rights movement. As, as one of my teachers, Professor James Small, taught me, he said the civil rights movement was not a nonviolent movement. It, it, if it had not been for Negroes with guns, there would not have been a civil rights movement. All right, but that's another presentation. So we deal with that some in um, the class I teach 
from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. All right. So they talk about the winter solstice here on page 55 of um, this book here, The Life of Christ. Now, they say the Romans celebrated the birthday of the God soul Invictus, the unconquered son, the God soul Invictus. And I'm going to see if I have a blow up of this. I thought I had a larger uh, one of my other presentations. I thought I had a larger slide of this. Um, I have this in different presentations here. Yeah. Okay. So this is what we do. You have a, a blow up of this. So what we'll do, we're going to just a second here. This is in, um, this is in the presentation from the class, understanding, understanding the transatlantic slave trade. Let me, let me close this and, uh, we'll drop in this, this larger one. Okay. Let me do this. Let me drop these slides in here. Okay, because you can zoom in on this. And, you know, I, I, I bought this book specifically for the information that's on page um, 55. Because I said people are not going to believe it um, unless I can show it to them. It reminds me of um, Richard Pryor in uh, when he was a uh, uh, archaeologist in Egypt in 1909 in a skit from the Richard Pryor show. And he comes across the book of life. They go into a temple and he comes across the book of life and he says, I got to get this book out of here. The brothers back home are not going to believe this. This information to change the world. Civilizations will be changed. History will be changed. I heard Richard Pryor in my head when I when I saw this book standing at the checkout counter. In 2011 at uh, CBS Pharmacy, I said, "No, I gotta get this book out of here." I bought it. <laughs> I, mean, I, ain't, I, ain't, <laughs> I ain't walk out with the book. I like I paid for the book, but I said, "I gotta get this book out of here." Okay, <laughs> I said, "People are not gonna believe this." All right, so here's a close up on what's on page 55. All right, so. Uh, the Romans celebrated is uh, talk about in Christie's Christianity's early years. And then December 25th was already considered the birthday of the sun, the S U N the son of God, the S U N using the technology available at the time. Ancient astronomers observed that on December 25th, the days started getting longer again. They recognized the date as the winter solstice when the sun is born again each year, the S U N the son of God, the S U N because see from December 23rd, 24th, December 22nd, 23rd and 24th, those three days, it appears the sun does not move. So it appears the sun is dead for three days. And then it rises is reborn on December 25th. So this is with astronomy, but we were told not to study astronomy and astrology and stuff like this, because we were told it was hocus pocus and we're not supposed to study that. But this is what Europeans are studying. Okay, now the Romans celebrated the birthday of the god Sol Invictus, which means unconquered sun, Sol Invictus, S-O-L, meaning sun. 
they celebrated the birthday of uh, the, the deity Sol Invictus on December 25th. This day was also recognized as the birthday of Mithra. Mithra was a Persian deity, a Persian sun god, okay, worshipped um, among the ancient Persians. And December 25th was also the birthday of the um, deity, agricultural deity, Attis, A-T-T-I-S, Attis, worshipped in Asia Minor. By choosing December 25th, the Christian church avoided upsetting the masses. No one wanted their festivals canceled, so the church simply combined this new Christian holiday with pagan traditions. The church just simply combined this new Christian holiday with pagan traditions. When you go through and study history and you look at the book, um, well, Christianity Before Christ breaks this down also, but uh, there's another book that I used in uh, researching the history of Christmas, and it's one. Um, where is that one? Can I put my hands on it? Um, it's one by Jonathan Green. Everything you want to know about Christmas or something like that. Oh, this one right here. Christmas Miscellany. This book right here, it deals with a lot of history as well. Christmas Miscellany, uh, Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Christmas by Jonathan Green. That, 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 this book goes deep into that history also. All right, now, now I'm not attacking anybody that celebrates Christmas. I don't want people to misunderstand me here. Um, so that's why Christmas is celebrated on uh, December 25th. And this was in the 2011 edition of the life of Christ put out by the American Bible society. Now what's interesting. It says rediscovering how his life, death and resurrection changed the world. Now, interesting enough. I did when this came out, I showed this all over the place. I did lectures in different cities and I was showing this and citing this information here and actually showing people what's in here. So it was a sister who watches my show. She contacted me like the following year, I think it's probably 2012. She contacted me and she said she bought the book, but she bought the edition that came out after 2011. And she said the information that's on page 55 is nowhere in the next edition of the book. That information is not in there. So if you try to get this on Amazon, get the 2011 edition. All right. Now history.com. Now I don't know. I don't know why they took it out because it's accurate. It's true, but I don't, I don't know why they took it out, but um, they did. But history.com, official website of the History Channel, has an interesting article as well. And they, they've done a they've done a documentary on history.com dealing with the history of Christmas. They have some of this information in there. Okay, dealing with the winter solstice and all this. They have I've seen their documentary. They have it, they have some of this in there. Um if we look at this one here from history.com, let me pull this up on the winter solstice. We'll look at this and I'm going to show you a couple more slides from my presentation. Okay. This one here. Okay. Winter solstice. The winter solstice is the shortest day and longest night of the year. Okay, so they break that down. Uh, it takes place between December 20th and 23rd. 
uh, usually around December 20th, 22nd. Um, humans may have observed the winter solstice as early as Neolithic, as, as Neolithic period, the last part of the Stone Age, beginning about 10,200 BC. Okay. About 10,200 BC. Stonehenge, which is oriented toward the winter solstice sunset, may also have been a place of December rituals for Stone Age people. They talk about the Roman holidays, the festival of Saturnalia. Now, this is the history, this is history.com official website of the History Channel. Saturnalia was a hedonistic time when food and drink were plentiful and the normal Roman social order was turned upside down. For a month, enslaved people were given temporary freedom and treated as equals. Business and schools were closed so that everyone could participate in the holiday festivals. Also around the time of the winter solstice, Romans observed Juvenalia, a feast honoring children, a feast honoring the children of Rome. In addition, members of the upper classes often celebrated the birthday of Mithra on December 25th. Mithra was an ancient Persian god of light or, or sun. It was believed that Mithra, an infant god, was part of a rock. For some Romans, Mithra's birthday was the most sacred day of the year. In the latter Roman Empire, Mithra blended with Sol Invictus, god of the unconquered sun. Some theorists believe uh, the early Roman Catholic Church may have chosen the same date for Christmas in order to supplant pagan rituals, though many Christian scholars dispute this. Okay, but when you go through and look at the history and you go look at rituals that they're incorporating, the Romans are incorporating from other people. Okay, and you go, you know, once again, nowhere in the biblical text does it state that. Jesus the Christ was born on December 25th. This may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness once again. Okay. But nowhere in the biblical text does it state that Jesus the Christ was born on December 25th or Yeshua because the letter J did not exist until 1630 AD. The letter J is derived from the letter I. This is why when you go to the dictionary and you look up the word Jesus and you look at the etymology of the word, it takes you back to Yeshua with a Y because the letter J didn't exist. So one of the mistakes that we make is we think oftentimes the way things are today is the way they've always been, which is not necessarily true. Um, so they deal with Yule, the 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 uh, the ancient uh, Nordic festival uh, of Scandinavia, Scandinavia of Yule. From uh, this was a festival from the winter solstice through January. So when you when you hear um, uh, songs, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, Yuletide carols sung by the fire. What's Yule? Okay, it's not Y O U, it's Y U L E. Yule, what is that? That's a that's an ancient winter solstice festival that was in Scandinavia. Because, see, a lot, of, a lot of this stuff we just repeat but don't know what the hell we're talking about, right? So, we learn it when we're kids, Yuletide carols sung by the fire. What's Yule? Ask your parents, what's you? They can't tell you. Okay, what is it? What, what, what is it? A mixture between a yak and a mule? You? What, what is that? In recognition of the return of the sun, fathers and sons would bring home large logs, which became known as Yule logs. Y-U-L-E, Yule logs. Okay? They would set on end 
they would set one end of the logs on fire. The people would feast until the log burned out, which could take as many as 12 days. Okay, but this was a winter solstice festival that was celebrated in Scandinavia. Okay, so check, check, check this one out also, okay? It's a, and I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, I studied the, the origins of all the holidays. And, 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 and uh, this one here is the most uh, fascinating one. Okay, this is the most fascinating one dealing with uh, Christmas. All right, now. And if you read um, um, African people and European holidays and myth of genocide by Dr. Shakamusa Bereshango, okay, he talks about how we're taught to celebrate these holidays and don't know what we're celebrating, okay? We don't know what we're celebrating, don't know why we're celebrating it. We just, you know, our parents taught us to celebrate it, not blaming our parents. I don't want people to misunderstand me. But, you know, our parents were taught... Parents taught us to celebrate it. Grandparents were taught in school, things like this. And if you ask them, okay, so what is this we're celebrating? Why are we celebrating? Most of them can't tell you. Uh, where's African people in European holidays? I had it this weekend because I was teaching a class. Where's uh? Yeah, we rearrange the stuff. I put it in another bookshelf and I rearranged some things. Now I can't find anything. Hold on. Okay, right here. African people and European holidays and mental genocide by Dr. Shaka Musa Barashango. And book one, book one goes into the history of a lot of these holidays. All right, now, very quickly here. Um, let's look at this one here. Names of Santa Claus, center class amongst the Dutch, Netherlands, Father Christmas amongst the English, St. Nicholas, Old Man Winter, Chris, Chris Kendall, which is German uh, for, uh, uh, well, it, Chris Kendall is uh, German, Chris Kringle, okay, this is Chris, this is Chris Kendall. Now, let me see something here that was um, the slide I'm looking for. And then I want to get to this information dealing with um, from Christianity Before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson. Okay, so we did that. We did that. Okay, you know what? We can go to... Uh, Oh, let's look at this quickly here. Festival of the Kalians. This is a deep history. The Festival of the Kalians. This is another um, Roman festival. And this say, okay, Odin, Yule. Oh, let's look at this quickly here. What is pagan? So the term pagan is misused. Often, oftentimes in, in European anthropology and um different things like this, uh, uh, archaeology, the term pagan is used. So this, this heathen, heathen and pagan, you, you, hear, you hear those terms, right? Pagan is a word that is misused to speak negatively about a group of people. It's like calling, it's similar to calling people, like we call people down south country, 
okay, you, you don't have shoes or socks, you don't have teeth, you eat chitlins or something like that, call them country, all right? It's something negative, right? <laughs> like like some of the people in West Virginia, okay, <laughs> or, or Alabama, or something like that, okay? So, and if we look at the American Heritage Dictionary, or you can look at Merriam-Webster, I look at Merriam-Webster a lot, and then there's an etymological, online etymological dictionary that I use as well. Um, an adherent of a polytheistic religion in antiquity, especially when viewed in contrast to an adherent of a monotheistic religion. But see, the, the, for the, the problem with the way they phrase that is you had white people, you had Europeans trying to interpret something in African culture and interpret African spirituality, and they really didn't have a foundation to understand what it was that they were trying to interpret, Okay. And what we see is when we deal with the Neturu, the different forces of nature, okay, or what the people call gods, like in, 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 um, ancient Kemetic spiritual systems, the Neturu, Asar, Asar, Offset, Heru, Bata, Bastet, things like this, Ma'at, personification of truth, justice, righteousness, balance, harmony, order, and reciprocity, um, the winged deity. Um, you're dealing with different manifestations of that one supreme force. Okay. These are, these are, they, they, they believed in one supreme being, but they looked at different manifestations of that one supreme being. When you look at Christianity and you see how, for instance, if we bring this up, not to make this too long, um, if we look at this here, uh, we want to go here. Now, Valid Contributions of Civilization by Tony Browder, page 168. So if we look at, let's bring this up right here. And actually, you know what? I have it, uh, I have it blown up. I showed this in class. So I have, uh, the version, the version that's blown up so you can see it even better. Um, Yeah, let's look at this. Let me drop these uh, three slides in here because you can see it even better. And this connects you to the film Black Panther because in Black Panther, the film Black Panther, and I've done a almost three hour lecture on the film Black Panther. I read two, I did a lot of research uh, so I could actually do like intelligent lectures on the film Black Panther. Uh, I saw some stuff people put out and I, uh, okay, I, I did research. I mean, just put it like that <laughs> a lot. But when you look at um, the panther deity, Bastet, that comes from ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. Bast, Bastet, that watches over the people of Wakanda and then each clan there are 18 different tribes that make up the people of wakanda each one has their own uh deity that watches over them okay like the jabari tribe things like that you have the crocodile clan the gorilla clan etc but um uh bastet watches over the people of wakanda and this ties into what are called patron saints like saint maurice who was a moor who became a patron saint to Germany. 
And and what happens is, let me. This is see. This is why this is such a deep history. All this is connected. So let's look at this here. Let's look at uh, this is page one sixty eight of Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization. And Broward is in Egypt right now. Um, I was trying to set up an interview with him because he he sent me a message. We talked through Facebook a couple weeks ago, but I'm gonna catch him when he gets back from Egypt. All right, now where did I put that in here? Right here. This is page 168 of the Nile Valley Contributions of Civilization. So here we see the influence from ancient Kemet on the Greeks and the Romans. And one of the ways we could see, yes, in the architecture and things like this, but you can see it in the deities that they're worshiping. So we had the Huti with the Ibis head, the head of the Ibis, the head of a bird, the Huti with the, uh, the staff and it has uh, a snake wrapped around each staff. Okay. And uh, one snake is wearing the uh, crown of upper Kemet, upper Egypt. One staff is wearing the crown of lower Kemet, lower Egypt. All right. And it says here for the information for Dehuti, Dehuti, the netter of science, writing, measurement, divine articulation of speech and medicine holds in his hand two staffs with entwined snakes, one serpent wears the crown of upper Kemet, the other wears the crown of lower Kemet. Dehuti, who the Greeks call Thoth, okay? The Dehuti is referred to the Greeks, uh, uh, by, to the, uh, by the Greeks as Thoth, T-H-O-T-H. Now, the second picture, you see Hermes, and you're, you, you hear Hermes Trismegistus, and Hermes ties into uh, Freemasonry because Hermes, uh, is said to have written um, the um, the books that, that are used in Freemasonry. Now, Hermes was the Greek equivalent of Dehuti. Uh, he is shown carrying a staff which has two entwined snakes. He called, it was called the Staff of Hermes. In Greek mythology, he was associated with wisdom and the Hermetic sciences, the Hermetic sciences were named after Hermes. Hermes is a, uh, it, the influence of Hermes is Dehuti coming from ancient Kemet. Now, amongst the Romans, you have Mercury, okay? Now it says Mercury is Greek, but it's actually Roman. You have the Roman deity Mercury with the wings on his helmet, and he, he has wings on his feet, and he has a staff with uh, the wings of Ra uh, and a sun disk. And the staff is called the caduceus. The caduceus is a universal symbol of medicine. But the caduceus that Mercury carries comes from the two staffs that Dehuti carried. Okay? It's, it's, it's a reinterpretation during, uh, through, uh, uh, through these, this European cultural filtration system coming from ancient Kemet. Now, Mercury is, is the Roman version of Hermes and Dehuti, and he is similar in all aspects. The staff that Mercury carries is called the Caduceus, and it, ha and it has been adopted as the universal symbol of medicine. So our history is all around us. We just have to learn to become history detectives. This is why I tell people you have to get a, a, a symbols encyclopedia or symbols dictionaries to, to be able to decode these symbols, all right? So 
All right, now let's look at let's look at um, lastly let's look at page one twenty six to one twenty eight of Christianity Before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson. All right, now also if you like this type of information, um, I have a, a complete lecture that I've done at our website AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's right on the homepage of the website. Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice, and the History of Christmas. This is a three-hour lecture I've done. You get deep into all this information, provides you with sources so you can do more research. We have it in uh, uh, digital download format and DVD format. It's like $10. It's right on the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And we also have the uh, 15 DVD bundle pack, Michael M. Hotel 15 DVD bundle pack. It's on sale. It includes uh, that lecture, Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice and the History of Christmas is also in this 15 DVD bundle pack as well. That's on the homepage of our website. That's on sell $100. So it's 15 of my lectures. Um, that's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And we'll post the link here for the uh, bundle pack also and, and uh, the lecture. A any of these presentations of mine, if you want them in digital download format, just uh, email me and let me know. Because I'm putting more of them in digital download format also. Um, some people want them in DVD format as well. Right. So I, I want to go to this here. This is from um, Christianity Before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson. And let me pull up these pages because I scanned them earlier today. I want to look at page 126 through 128. And he deals with um, Kemet 3,000 years ago or Egypt 3,000 years ago. Uh, he says, in Egypt 3,000 years ago, the birth, date of the, uh, the birth date of the sun deity was celebrated on December 25th. And let me pull these up here. Okay, let's look at this here. I'm going to try to zoom in on this. I did I did a lot of preparation for today's show. But that's the actual book. I want you to know I ain't make this stuff up. These are some of my notes on the history of Christmas. Christianity Before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson, page 126 to 128. In Egypt 3,000 years ago, in Egypt 3,000 years ago, the birth date of the sun deity was celebrated on December 25th. Uh, the first day to, uh, the first day to noticeably lengthen after uh, the day of the winter solstice, December 21st. After the day of the winter solstice, December 21st. Now at midnight, at the midnight hour on the first minute of the 25th of December, the birthday of the sun was commemorated. This is in ancient Kemet. On uh, December 25th, the sun is in the constellation of Capricorn. On December 25th, the sun is in the constellation of Capricorn and uh, then known as the stable of Aegeus, A-U-G-E-U-S. So the infant sun god 
was said to have been born in a stable. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is a deep history. Okay. (laughs) On December 25th, the sun is in the constellation of Capricorn. 3,000 years ago, it was known as the stable of Aegeus, the constellation. So the infant sun god was said to have been born in a stable. Brightly shining on the meridian was the star Sirius, the star from the east, while rising in the east was Virgo, the virgin. And Virgo is Latin for virgin. Okay? All this stuff is connected. That's why we were told not to study it. Because when you start studying, you say, wait, so hold on. What are, you, what are y'all talking about? You start all this. See, this is why I tell people, and this is, is this is something Professor Kabahai Watha Kamene, one of my teachers, taught me. And if you watch his lectures and you see our interviews, things like this, he says, he'll tell you, and some people don't get this because too much of our history is within the confinements of slavery. 1441 to 1865 or 1888 in Brazil, slavery, but we don't understand the thousands of years of history that happened before slavery. Because Professor Kaba, Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene has said that Christianity is an African religion. When you actually understand the origins of Christianity, because early Christianity looked a lot like traditional African spiritual systems. A lot of uh, early Christians belonged, believed in different forms of reincarnation. Okay, the Christianity that we deal with today is largely the result of the first council of Nicaea in 325 AD and the ecumenical councils, Council of Ephesus and uh, Council of uh, Chalcedon and things like this, 325 AD to about 1870. But early Christianity looked a lot like traditional African spiritual systems. So on December 25th, the sun is in the constellation of Capricorn then known as the stable of Aegeus, so the infant sun god was said to have been born in a stable. Brightly shining on the meridian was the star Sirius, and we know the Dogon, the Dogon of Mali and Burkina Faso, they were originally in ancient Kemet, and they're going to leave ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt, and the Nile Valley region of Africa, going to Central Africa, West Africa, and they had a knowledge of the Sirius A and Sirius B star systems, Sirius. Okay, this all deals with African history. Now, while while rising in the east was Virgo, the virgin, the star Virgo, the virgin. I mean, uh, 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 rising in the east was Virgo, the virgin, with the horizon passing through the uh, the constellation Virgo, uh, while the horizon passing through the center of the constellation. To the right of Sirius was the constellation Orion, the great hunter. Now, originally Orion was of Asar with the three stars in his belt. Okay. And the, 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 the star Sirius is in the constellation of, uh, the big dog. Okay. The big dog, uh, uh, Canis major, the big dog and Canis minor, the small dog. Okay. Series a and series B. Now, to the right of Sirius was the constellation Orion, the great hunter, with three stars in Orion's belt. Originally, Orion was the constellation of Osar, okay, or Osiris. These stars are in a straight line that point at the star Sirius and were anciently known as the three kings. I'm, just, I'm trying to, 
<laughs> they stole all. They stole all our stuff. I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> this stuff is average. They stole all our stuff and then represented it to us as if they created it themselves. And then we bow down to them and think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread with raisins in it, and it came from us. But since we, since we suffer from historical amnesia, and don't understand our history, okay? We, you know, we're like uh, Professor Kabahai Watakamane said, we're like whales and goldfish bowls, right? You know, our potential is much greater than the than the than the confinements that are put on us. This is why I say, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. This stuff incorporating into Christianity is African. And That's I asked the question, I said, but since we don't know who we are, chattel slavery ended. You got half of us running around. This may go outside the red of some people's awareness. You got half of us running around talking about their descendants of slaves. When you go study history during Reconstruction, they weren't still calling themselves slaves. They were calling themselves former slaves or black freedmen. You look at the U.S. Bureau of Freedmen, uh, Refugees in the Bannon Lands, the Freedmen's Bureau. You look at the Freedmen's Bank. You go look at the organizations that they were setting up. I said, so why do some of us today, 156 years after chattel slavery ended, why do they refer to themselves as descendants of slaves as, a as opposed to descendants of ex-slaves or former slaves or freedmen? Why do some of us keep trying to put our ancestors back into a condition that not only were they freed from, but many of them took up arms because there was 200,000 African-Americans that served in the, in the Civil War. They took up arms to fight for their freedom. Why do some of us refer to themselves as descendants of slaves? Or if you got to reference slavery. Now, just a few years ago, some of those same people were saying they were descendants of kings and queens. Maybe it's because we've been taught to have a slave mentality. Some of us, some of us born into that, been taught to have a slave mentality. Because I'm telling you, when you go and study the history after slavery ended, they weren't calling themselves slaves. So why do some of us then refer to themselves as descendants of slaves as opposed to descendants of those formerly enslaved or freedmen? Because that's one of the terms that was used for them, freedmen, like the Freedmen's Bank. Well, we de we were depositing our money. It wasn't the slave bank. But that's another conversation. That's another show. Um, to the right of Sirius was the constellation Orion, the great hunter, with three stars in his belt. These stars in a straight line point at Sirius and were anciently known as the three kings. We have them in the Gospels as the three magi or wise men from the East. Let me scroll down here. At the winter solstice, at the winter solstice, the sun was at the lowest point of the celestial sphere. At the lowest point of the celestial sphere at its southern limits. Then it began to move northward along the elliptical passing over the celestial equator at the vernal equinox, which is Easter because vernal is Latin for spring. The vernal equinox uh, coming from aquanatium, the Latin word aquanatium, is that marks the first day of spring. It's usually March 20th, March 21st. And that's the day where you have the same amount of daylight as you do uh, nighttime. 
the vernal equinox. And Easter is celebrated on the first Sunday following the first full moon following the vernal equinox. That's when Easter is celebrated. And they recalculated when Easter is going to be celebrated based upon, this is one of the reasons why the Gregorian calendar was introduced. That, that was a result of the Third Council of Trent of 1563, one of those ecumenical councils, okay? Um, all right, there's a long story behind that. Let's, let's, let's just keep going. So the crossing of the sun from the south to the north side of the equator was the origin of the festival of the Passover. The crossing of the sun from the south to the north side of the equator was the origin of the festival of the Passover. When the sun passed over the celestial equator 3,000 years ago, it was situated in the constellation of Aries the lamb, lamb or ram. So the lamb became the symbol of the sun god, the lamb. This suggests the origin of the Paschal Lamb, widely known as widely known as the symbol of the crucified Christ. Several of the several of the sacrificed saviors were said to have been crucified in the heavens, but not literally. All this, I'm telling you, they stole all that stuff. I'm trying to. When you go read this, you study this. I read Christianity Before Christ back in 1994. You go, this stuff is deep. I mean, <laughs> this deals with astronomy. This is why the, this is why the, 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 the celebration of Christmas is like, okay, you don't have to celebrate Christmas, but you better damn well go study the origins of Christmas because it reconnects you to yourself. Just as the 13 pieces of Asar were remembered, he was dismembered, 14 pieces, pieces dismembered, 13 pieces remembered. And he was resurrected, and the 14th piece was the Tekken, which is what the Washington Monument is, because we know 50 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were Freemasons. And the, the, the foundation of Freemasonry comes out of ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt. All this reconnects you to yourself. This is why when I hear people talking about we descendants of slaves and the Negro, are you crazy? You, you haven't really studied your history then. If that's what you want to claim, you really haven't studied your history because they didn't call themselves slavery after slavery ended. Um, let's see here. Okay, so we got that. And look at Christianity Before Christ by Dr. John G. Jackson. He goes through, breaks this stuff down. That's a deep, deep book. Uh, stars in line with the point series A and all this stuff, man. It's deep. It's just, this gets it to the Dogon. <laughs> they stole all this stuff, man. <laughs> and then they put out toys and everything <laughs> off of our history. People run around talking about we descendants of slaves. I'm like, Negro, you out of your mind. Uh, let's see here. Let me go. Now, I'm not saying slavery didn't exist. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're not owed reparations, re re repairing the damage of slavery. 
Okay. We're not owed reparations because we work for free for our answer. We ain't work with none of us were there. The last known slaves died in the 1950s. Um, the, the damage of slavery and the, uh, Jim Crow segregation and racism and what happened after slavery, we're still affected by that today. Some people make the argument, well, we were for free for 246 years. The question I asked them is, um, you do know it was slavery was legal. We know it was morally wrong, but slavery was legal, right? Okay. So, uh, what law are you citing that slaves are supposed to be paid? Saying that our ancestors worked for free for 246 years is not a legal argument. When you go to lawmakers, you go to argue law. Foundation of law is the U.S. Constitution. This is why I said, Article 1, Section 9, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution lays the foundation for a legal argument for reparations, but people don't want to do it that. They want to say, we were for free for 246 years. No, our ancestors were for free. None of us were there for 246 years. It was legal not to pay them. That's not a legal argument that they didn't get not paid. We know it was wrong. We know it was morally wrong. It should not have happened. But that ain't a legal argument. The foundation of the law in this country is the U.S. Constitution. Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution tells you that the U.S. Constitution all the previous treaties and all the subsequent treaties are the supreme law of the land. If you want to deal with reparations, first thing you should do is study history and law. Because a lot of these arguments for reparations are not legal arguments. And when you challenge laws made by the legislative branch of government, where do you go? You go to the judicial branch of government. And the judicial branch of government, federal courts, federal appeals court, U.S. Supreme Court, interpret law from the legislative branch of government and the executive branch of government, uh, executive orders from the president. The judicial branch interprets law. So this is why a lot of this stuff floating around in the reparations are not legal arguments. Now, Article 1, Section 9, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution lays the foundation for a legal argument because at the Philadelphia Convention of 1787, they put a 20-year clause in the U.S. Constitution that the earliest that the international transatlantic slave trade could be abolished would be 1808. International transatlantic slave trade means bringing Africans into the country to enslave them. It was abolished January 1st, 1808. That's when it took effect. U.S. Congress passed a, passed a bill March 2nd, 1807 to abolish the international transatlantic slave trade and the U.S. government entered into international treaties with other European countries to abolish the international transatlantic slave trade. Great Britain abolished it in 1807. The law went into effect January 1st, 1808. Why? Because that's the Earliest, the U.S. Constitution said that the international transatlantic slave trade could be abolished. But we don't understand history of law, so we don't know none of this stuff. So what that means is all the Africans that were brought to this country from January 1st, 1808 through July 1860, when the clotilda came into Alabama, was all illegal based upon federal law. Their court cases of white men who were caught bringing Africans into the country illegally, and they were prosecuted. But we're not making legal arguments for reparations because we haven't studied history and law. And one of the foundations for that argument is the U.S. Supreme Court case of the Amistad of 1841. Joseph St. Q. give us free. Where they go to get their freedom? U.S. Supreme Court. What did the U.S. Supreme Court rule? They ruled that they were never slaves. They ruled that they had a right to take up arms and, 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 and defend themselves, the mutiny on the slave ship. And they granted their freedom because they, they ruled that it was illegal for the Amistad slave ship to come into U.S. waters in the first place because the international transatlantic slave trade had been abolished and it was illegal. How do we know? Archives.gov? What's archives.gov? Well, official website of the National Archives. 
you know they have some of the original court documents from the Amistad slave ship case of 1841 there. How do you know? Because I read them. You go to um, Amistad case, just search for, just go to archives.gov and search for the Amistad case. They got all the information there. This stuff is not hidden. We just haven't been taught to research this stuff. It's, it's not hidden. It's it's a free website. You don't need to read Metal Netter to be able to read this. Just go, just go search for Amistad. It comes up. The Amistad case, February 1839, a Portuguese slave hunters abducted a large group of Africans from Sierra Leone, blah, blah, blah. Primary sources, they show you some of the, they have some of the original court documents there. Click right here. Um, to let's see. Th okay. This up right here. This is crucial. This abduction, when they go through, break this down. This is the National Archives, U.S. National Archives. This abduction violated all of the treaties in existence. See, now you're talking about law. Okay, we didn't get paid for 246 years. What law are you citing slaves are supposed to be paid? Was it a law in the colony? Was it a law in the state? Was it a law in federal, federal law? Because if it's a law in the state, that don't just that doesn't transfer to other states. Because other states have different constitutions, other st different states have different laws. This abduction violated all of the treaties in existence. And you can click there to read more. But we don't have more time to deal with that, so you can check that out yourself. Okay, so share that at your next reparations conference. So we can deal with legal arguments for slavery, for reparations, repairing the damage and uh, relate all of that history to how we're negatively impacted by the structural inequities today that are shaped by the history of slavery, Jim Crow segregation, redlining, um, uh, racism, health disparities, all that, all that ties right into today. But you have to, it has to be, but, your argument, especially for repairing the damage of slavery, needs to be, you need to have a legal argument because what people don't talk about is what happens when it gets challenged in court. It's just like the um, debt forgiveness for black farmers that was in the American Rescue Plan, the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. It's tied up in court because white farmers are suing, saying you're violating our constitutional rights because we can't get debt forgiveness and you're giving it to black farmers and Native American farmers and Latino farmers and and our constitutional rights are being violated. Well, they ain't going to the legislative branch of government to challenge that. They're going to the, to the courts and they're dealing with a bunch of Trump judges, judges, some of the 225 federal judges that Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell got confirmed. Because Donald Trump changed the um, he changed the landscape of the federal judiciary. OK, I, I'm not talking about the three Supreme Court justices he got rammed through. Now it's a six, three conservative court. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about the federal, the federal courts. All right. OK, so if you like this type of information, um, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. One, you can register for the online courses I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Now we have these in a bundle pack. 
all the uh, we do the sessions live. They're all archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. You can watch them now as soon as you register. From this uh, one class I teach on Saturdays, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And um, so we deal with history uh, leading up, what, what leads up to the Civil War taking place. Uh, I deal with um, the Louisiana Purchase of 1803. Start there, Louisiana Purchase of 1803. And uh, we, we go through and look at uh, the Civil War, 1861 to 1865. Uh, we look at uh, Reconstruction, 1865-1877, Jim Crow era, and the rewriting of the state constitutions to suppress African Americans, all this. All this history, what, what, what's taking place right now in the state legislatures, Republican-dominated state legislatures, that's what happened uh, after Reconstruction ended, okay? Uh, especially uh, you look at the Mississippi State uh, Convention of 1890. All right, so we have this class here, and as soon as you register, you can watch the class we just did this past weekend. And then the other class that I teach is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We go deep into this history. We do thousands of years of history. For both of those classes, I do a PowerPoint presentation, book references, articles, video clips. Some of these slides here that I show, a few of those are from um, uh, my class, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave, where they didn't teach you in school. Okay. So we're teaching a class uh, this Sunday. Not the change the date. We're doing a class this Sunday. Sunday is, uh, yeah, we, we'll do a class on Kwanzaa because as far as I know, I won't be anywhere for Kwanzaa. Well, for the first day of Kwanzaa. I'll be at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History for the fourth day of Kwanzaa, Ujima, on December 29th. So we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. Um, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement, the Black Power is on sale $50. Understanding Transatlantic Slave Trade is on sale $60. They're regularly $130 each. We have a special bundle. Uh, right now, you can register for both classes for only $70. It's limited time, limited time only. You can register for both classes for only $70. They make great gifts as well, educational gifts. You can use these with your children. I would say the content is PG-13. Okay, it's not crazy i'm not doing a bunch of cursing and things like that okay it's not not like that at all um it's very well documented so we use book references articles video clips etc and you don't have to buy any of the books that i reference to be able to follow along in class okay so you can watch from around the world as soon as you register you can start uh watching the content you can join us um in class for our next class as well All of my DVD lectures and digital downloads are at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, including um, Ancient Kemet, The Winter Solstice, and The History of Christmas. I think that's $10. It's a three-hour lecture. We have it in digital download format also. It's in the uh, 15 DVD bundle pack. Also, the one on Christmas is in the 15 DVD bundle pack also. Michael M. Hotel, 15 DVD bundle pack, 15 of my lectures. It's on sale $100. So we have that. So it's all at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right. Um, if you like this type of information, also you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN Show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN Show. 
through Cash App. So this really helps us uh, a lot. Keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. Usually December and January are usually like very slow months uh, as well. So it helps us stay on the air and cover some of the expenses. This is our official Cash App account, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. When you go to it, it says Michael, shows my picture there. These other ones are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. I don't know who set those up. I'm trying to find them. I don't know who did that. And if you want to set it up for a recurring donation, I know you can do it. I'm not sure if you can do it to Cash App. I know you can do it to PayPal. Um, so we'll post the information for PayPal. And it's at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right. Uh, African-American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Uh, current promotion, buy one month, get two months free. And we can create a commercial for you also, and it airs when we rebroadcast our shows on our social media platforms. But also, uh, it's in the audio podcasts of our shows. We're on 10 different audio podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, uh, on Facebook Podcasts, Stitcher. So uh, we can we can create a 30 second, 60 second commercial for you if you don't have one in the air. And uh, when we rebroadcast these shows on our social media platforms and in the audio podcast of our shows as well. All right. Look, we have to get out of here. Thanks for tuning in to the African History Network show. We'll be back tomorrow on Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time. Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Remember, right now is correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's time to be the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWilly.com. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events like naming ceremonies and weddings. To find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion, celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion, theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984.
Kwanzaa is coming and the KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African American flag, and a basket. Visit the KwanzaaShop.com, the KwanzaaShop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January the 1st. Add the early bird discount code for 10% off your order placed before November 28th. Visit the KwanzaaShop.com and place your order today. The KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African-American Pan-African holiday. The KwanzaaShop.com African Spirit Cars specialize in the design and printing of high-quality African-centered note cards and stationery. African Spirit Cards breeds and rejoices in the African and African-American experiences. They honor our African heritage and all that they do for you by proudly displaying the great motifs and ornamentations of the African world diaspora. They use African images, African proverbs, and many African languages to fully immerse their clients in the wisdom and history of and the connection to Africa. They understand the importance of having images around us that reflect who we are. These images also illustrate where we came from and what we desire to be. They are here to serve you. Follow them on Instagram at African Spirit Cards, that's African with a K, they have a wide selection. Check out their holiday selection at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash African Spirit Cards. That's Etsy, E-T-S-Y. You can give them a call at 313-995-3579, 313-995-3579. You can email them at Designs at africanspiritcards.com. That's J-A-N-A-L designs at africanspiritcards.com and place your order today. Come and travel with me to a time long ago and place far away. You will experience high adventure and excitement. You are fighting alongside an ancient army in fierce battle. Feel the exhilaration of struggle and final conquest. My name is Maninkare, and I am both a prince and a priest in one of the most advanced civilizations humans have ever produced. I want you to ride with me in my chariot as I slay the barbarians who have come to invade my land. I invite you to sit at the conference table with the great pharaoh Taharqa and his ministers as they plan intrigue and use subterfuge to outmaneuver and defeat the enemy. Come back with me to the land of your ancestors, to the beautiful land of Kemet. So open the pages of this book and begin the adventure. Find out what happens in the book, Maninkare Battles the Assyrians in the Nile Valley from author Makari Jones. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes. 
Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting, LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365 and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that will satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Are you getting ready for fall or winter? We have the solution for all seasonal clothing needs. Cometicwear.com is the go-to online source for Cometic African fashion and lifestyle products with a contemporary twist. We're committed to offering unique styles reflecting our African heritage. Cometicwear.com is inspired by Cometicscribes.com to influence our people in learning and showing pride. Please visit our website at cometicwear.com. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle her hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustler Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustler Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. 
While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701.